Uh, there was a, a school teacher who had had invested. She had a, a life savings, and she decided to invest it in a, a scheme. It did not look like a very good scheme, it was like a Ponzi scheme. She invested everything that she had in it. I read about this, and she invested everything that she had, and she lost everything. She got taken, and she went to the Better Business Bureau and talked to them about it. And they asked her. They said, "Well, didn't you know that we were here before you ever made the investment?" She said, "Yeah." And they said, "Well, then why didn't you come to us in the first place?" And she said, "Well, I was afraid that if I came here, you would tell me not to invest with them." And I thought, I was like, man, that's kind of a bad decision that she made right there. But, you know, there's a lot of us who, who do the same kinds of things concerning our relationship with God. And, and I just, you know, I look at that story and I look at us and I think there's a lot of times when we will ignore God or we will hide from God because we're afraid to go with Him with some of the decision-making processes that we have because we're afraid that He's going to tell us to do something or not do something that we really want to do. Now, today we're wrapping up our study in the book of James, and in this last section that we're going to be looking at in this book, James shares with us some very good advice. Uh, he shares with us several different life-altering scenarios that we all experience, and he gives us a track to run on to be able to get through these difficult times. Now, whenever difficult times come our way, we often will ask questions like, God, what's going on? Uh, God, this isn't very fair. God, why are you allowing this to, to happen to me? And God, why in the world are you not helping me? And what I'm discovering as I kind of move through life is that, that God hasn't abandoned us, but he's actually given us some pretty good instruction in Scripture concerning how we're to face all different kinds of life situations. And so the question for us is, well, are we going to pay attention to what he tells us in this book? And are we going to be obedient to what he teaches us in Scripture? And so if you have your Bible, this is the last message for, for a while anyway, out of the book of James. We're finishing it up today. And we're going to look in James chapter 5. And so you can look there, and we're going to look in verse number 13 in just a few moments. But while you look there, I think it's, it's good for us to be reminded of the context of the Scripture. Uh, the guy who wrote this book was a guy named James, pretty obvious. Uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. And James wrote this letter to Christians who were living all throughout the, you know, the ancient world at this time, you know, the old Roman Empire. And they used to live in Israel, but they no longer lived there anymore because a lot of them had become Christians. And so they got persecuted because of this, and they got run out of town. And so these guys, they, 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 all these Christian folks, they left, uh, they left Israel. They went into the surrounding countries. And when they got there, the, the people who saw them coming, they didn't like them either. Like we, got all these, you know, we got all these foreigners coming in, and so they started persecuting them again. And so as you can imagine, these people were a little frustrated. You know, they decided we're going to follow after Jesus, and the only thing that happens to us every time we turn around is we get, we get persecuted. And so they're, they're asking God, God, where are you? And James, because this, this book is one of my favorite books, because James is very practical, he starts sharing with them how, how they need to handle the situation. And he gives them several different scenarios in life. And he starts off by telling them in verse number 13, he says, Is any one of you in trouble? And knowing the background, everybody at this time would have said, Yes, we are all in trouble. And so James shares with them, Well, what do you do when you're in trouble? And so my question for you today, and you don't have to answer is just think about this. Is any, are any of you in trouble? 
you know, any of you struggling, and, and you might be saying, yep, I'm in that group right there. And so your question might be, what am I supposed to do when I'm living in trouble, whenever I'm struggling in life? James tells us today. And what we're going to see today, a few things that he shares with us. First, we see what we're to do when we're in trouble. And James talks to us about this. If you look in verse 13, he says again, Is any one of you in trouble? And you all say yes. And he says he should pray. Any one of you in trouble? He says he should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. That word trouble is in reference to people who are suffering. It's referring to people who have endured poor treatment from others. And remember I gave you the background that they're undergoing persecution because of their walk with Jesus. So this, that they're right here in this group. They're undergoing, undergoing poor treatment from other people. Now, I would say that all of us at one point or another in our lives, we've undergone poor treatment from other people. I mean, I think probably all of us could say that. Some of you might even given out some of that poor treatment. But we've all experienced this kind of trouble in our lives. Now, one thing that is interesting to me is whenever I'm going through trouble like this or somebody treats me poorly, it is to my chagrin when I look into the Bible, and I, I told the first service this, one of my favorite words, and so I was so excited I could work in chagrin today. But it was, uh, it was to my chagrin whenever I looked into the Scripture, and it never tells us anywhere here in the Bible uh, that if somebody is mistreating you, that you ought to go out there and just hit them upside the head with a two-by-four. Uh, now, that might be in your version of the Bible, but that ain't in the real Bible. And it doesn't tell us that we're supposed to go out and try to get our pound of flesh out of somebody else. It tells us that when we are in trouble, it says very simply that we are to pray. And you might look at that thing. I'm supposed to pray. You know, whenever I'm, 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 I'm supposed to pray when I'm in trouble. I mean, what's, what is the deal with that kind of advice? Well, prayer is directed towards God, and we are to talk to God when we are in trouble. Because when we are in trouble, there's one thing all of us are looking for. And some of you might say justice. Let me tell you, when we're in trouble, we're suffering persecution from others, we're looking for relief. You know, we want it to stop. We want it to quit. And so James says you need to talk to God because God is the one who provides comfort. And the Bible says this a lot of different places. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. And notice here it says, And the God of all Comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. Now, I know every generation can say this, but we are living, you know, we are living in troubled times. Um, and I know I've mentioned this lately, and you might get sick of hearing it, because this is all you hear on the news, too. You know, economically, you know, we are in trouble. Uh, y'all, y'all, I'm sure you saw this week that our we were downgraded this week for the first time in our history. There, there are people, you know, the the job situation is terrible. There's a lot of people. I know there's some people even in the church who are wondering, am I how much longer and I, am I going to be able to keep my job? Um, our nation, we're at war right now. I mean, it's been so long we just we tend to forget that, but we're at war right now. And there's a lot of guys in our church I know, and they're they're asking the question, am I going to be deployed again? You know, it just seems like it's just like this, it's like a Groundhog Day. All this stuff keeps happening over and over again. And, and we just have all these different anxieties and troubles where we get to the point where the only thing that many of us can think about is all the stuff that is wrong. And yet James tells us, if any of you are in trouble, he says, pray. 
You know, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bibles in Philippians 4, 6 through 9, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. It says, With prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are to call out to God for prayer because He has the ability to provide us, regardless of our circumstances, He has the ability to provide us with peace. It says He can guard our hearts and our minds. Uh, that, that word guard in, verse, uh, in, that, in that verse is a military term. It is the picture of a sentry, a guard, watching over your life. Now, that can sound really neat unless, in my mind, the first thing I think of is I think of like an 18-year-old soldier, you know, standing guard over me. That makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, but according to our text, the one who stands guard, watching over our hearts and our minds, it is God. And if God is the one who is watching over our hearts and our minds, then, guys, we can have confidence that he's going to keep us safe. We can have confidence that God has the ability to keep us from being overwhelmed and overtaken by the troubles that we are presently facing. I mean, I said, what does he do? He provides us with peace. That word peace, it means harmony. You know, instead of our circumstances dictating our response, we are to allow God to dictate our response and feelings regardless of our circumstances. Now, the problem most of us have, though, is that our circumstances scare us to death because we don't have a knowledge of what, of what God can do. And so we just simply live in fear. We allow our circumstances to dictate everything about our lives. And when things are bad, we get scared. And so we, live, we, we just live scared all the time. When I, was in, uh, when I was in high school, I remember we used to always go to this haunted house during Halloween. I'm sure some of y'all did the same thing. We'd, be, we'd pick this one house out. It was just this decrepit house. And we'd go to it, and it's pitch black on the inside, and we'd start walking through it. And, uh, you know, it, it, all of a sudden, you know, the strobe lights would come on. And, you know, the strobe lights, they start coming on. They start playing this, like, crazy music that, uh, you know, I'm, I listen to country music, so anything that's got more than, like, three beats a second is, uh, you know, freaks me out. So I'm walking in, oh, and then, and then this guy jumps out from behind from behind like a coffin. And y'all, I know this is, I don't recommend y'all going to haunted houses. I'm just telling you what I used to do. And so this guy jumps out from like from behind a, a coffin and he's got like an axe through his head and he screams and I'm laying on the floor sucking my thumb. You know, I'm scared to death and I hate it. And so, but after it's over, I want all my friends to go through it because I want them to be scared. And so I get them to, oh, you got to go through this. It's great. So we walk through and I'm like, nothing's getting ready to happen. And so, you know, then all of a sudden a guy jumps out and they start screaming and, and I'm laughing. It doesn't scare me. Now, why doesn't it scare me the second time through? Because I've already been through it before. I know what to expect and I begin to realize the guy with the accident said, it's not a real, it's not a real axe. And so I'm able to relax and enjoy the show. Now, in a, in a very similar sense, the, the same thing is true in life. There are a lot of scary things that will jump out at us at life. You know, job situations, you know, your retirement. There's a lot of things, uh, health issues, uh, the, the, the loss of a loved one. Many things that jump out at us and that, that are very scary to us. But let me share through the good news. The good news is that we have a God who has the ability to provide us peace, regardless of your circumstances, and who has the ability to give victory, regardless of what you're going through. 
Now, that's hard to believe, but it's true. That's why Romans 8.31 always speaks to me. It says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Guys, nobody can. And let me tell you something. Whenever God gives us a promise, he always keeps his promises. When he says he gives you peace, that he can give you peace, he's going to keep that promise. In Joshua 23.14, listen to what it says. It says, you know with all your heart, And with all your soul, not one of the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. So so what are we supposed to do as we we go through life? Well, he says, first of all, this is what you're to do when when you experience trouble. He says, you pray. Talk to God. He gives peace. Now, okay, that's one, that's one scenario that we have in life. The second thing we see uh, that we're supposed to do is dealing with sickness. What are we to do when we're sick? Okay, we, we found out what we're supposed to do when we're in trouble. What do we do when we're sick? Now, look with me in verse number 14. He says, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now that word sick, it means to be without strength, to be weak. Uh, the previous verses uh, kind of it makes some, some commentators, some stuff that you read about here. You know, what are they talking about being sick? It could be referring to a spiritual sickness where the people are so tired of being persecuted that they're spiritually exhausted. They're like, if this is what I get for following God, you know, I give up, I quit. They are spiritually sick. Um, the other idea is that they could be talking about physical sickness. You know, I'm sick, I need help. Now, I'm, I'm not sure which one they're talking about, but I do know what James says that we're supposed to do when we are sick one way or the other. What are we supposed to do? He's you to pray. And, and he doesn't just say that. He says whenever you're sick, he says you're to call upon those who are spiritually mature, the church leaders, to pray for you. Now, in our church, that would be like our church staff. It would be like small group leaders. It would be uh, like people who are serving in the church, people who are just simply spiritually mature. Now, why them? It's because they're strong. And, you know, whenever we're weak, remember the word sick, it means to be without strength. When we're weak, what we need is somebody who's strong so that they can support us. You know, there have been times when I've been so sick that I, I, mean, I couldn't even eat. And, and, and whenever I'm spiritually sick, there are sometimes whenever we can be so spiritually sick that it's like we have a hard time even praying. And whenever it's like that, what we need is we need to call out to somebody to stand in the gap for us, to help us out. Now, you might say, well, I'd rather keep my stuff private. I don't like sharing stuff with people. And I understand that. But if you're, if you're not going to share, you need to share with at least one believer. Because if you don't, now you have the prerogative to do that. But you are missing out on a source of strength that is necessary to help you, to help you get through what you're, what you're going through. A few weeks ago, we had a church in our, our family in our church uh, donate a humongous television to the youth group. And I, I wish they would have donated it to me because I think it would be really cool in my office. It's a huge television that the youth got. And uh, now Matthew, our youth pastor, he was went to pick it up. Now Matthew, of course, I mean, you all know Matthew's strong and all that stuff. But this television was so big that he, he, he couldn't get it by himself. He had to have some help. And so um, he, he called one of our youth, and one of our youth came and helped him pick up the television. So they picked it up, and, and he was able to get it into the, into the youth room so that the youth can use that television now. Now, that, to me, that is an example of somebody who recognizes I have a burden that is too big for me to carry, so I need somebody to come along and help me. Now, we all do this in everyday scenarios of life, and yet so many of us, try to, we try to do it all by ourselves when it comes to when we are weak spiritually. And we don't call on anybody, and then we wonder, why in the world am I just ground into the, into the ground? 
and I have no strength. And we begin to ask questions, where's God? And God's saying, man, I've, I've got people all around you that I want you to reach out to, to pray for you, to love on you. Now, in our text, it says, it brings up something interesting here. It says, whenever you ask for people to pray for you, ask them to anoint you with oil. And, I, and you, you read that, and you think, now that sounds very religious. You know, anoint me with oil. What does that mean? Now, there's a couple things here that I think are interesting. One, oil back in James's day, it was used for medicinal purposes. I mean, it was used as, it was, it was used to heal cuts and all kinds of wounds. So to me, this is an example that, that whenever, whenever we are asking for the anointing of oil, to me, it reminds, it, it is a, it's like medicine. Uh, we want, and I, to me, it's a lesson that there's nothing. If you're sick, there's nothing wrong with you seeking out medical attention. I know some people believe it is. It's a lack of faith. I, God is a God of medicine. There's nothing wrong with that. But also, it has a symbolic value. When you look in the Old Testament, kings were always anointed with oil before they became the king. And it was to show that God was with them. They were asking, basically, for God's hand to be upon them, for the blessings of God to be upon them. And whenever you're sick, that's exactly what you're asking. You are asking for God's hand to be upon you. Now, if we decide that we're going to do this and call out to people, and you're going to be one who's going to reach out to people, understand, when you get involved in people's lives, it is a hands-on affair. When people need support, it means that, that you, you lay your hands upon them. You pray for them. You care for them. You understand what they're going through. Now, at our church, this happens through ministry. You know, we want you to, to move beyond just simply coming into the worship center. We want you to be involved in, in some ministries in the church and serving others and being in a small group setting so that you can get to know people and you'll have a support group where people can pray for you and care for you. Now look at our text today, and it shows us what we're to do when we're in trouble. So pray. It shows us what we're to do when we're sick. We pray and we call for support. And the last thing I want you to see today is our text shows us what to do when we've sinned. Now some of you might say, well, I'm not in trouble. You know, I'm not sick. Let me tell you one thing that I know that you cover. You sin, just like me. So what am I supposed to do when I sin? Now, these are the last two verses I'll read, verses 15 and 16. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise him up. If he sinned, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Now, it's important we understand what sin is, and we understand how devastating it is, and how it destroys our relationships, and even our relationship with God. The word sin, it literally means to miss the mark. It's the picture of a man shooting an arrow at a target, and he misses the target. Now, if you, if you miss the target by an inch, or you miss it by five feet, it is still a miss. Uh, whenever I was whenever I was in high school, this may surprise. I played basketball in high school, not often, but there are times when I got in the game, and uh, there's times when I would shoot the ball and I might hit the rim, and there might be other times when I might shoot an air ball. Now, whether I hit the rim, which I'd prefer to do than shooting an air ball, how many points did I get for either one of those? The big zelch, nothing. I missed the mark, and the same idea is true concerning sin. Whether whether you barely miss the mark or you miss it by a mile, you're still missing it. Amen. So then, how do I hit the target? You know, how do I hit the? What is the target? The, the target for us is to live like Jesus. It's to love like Jesus. It's to care like for uh, care like Jesus does. You must. Well, how can I gauge that? 
Well, see what, what's produced, being produced in your life. What's coming out of your life? How do you live? We're told what the fruits of the Spirit are in Galatians 5, 22 through 25. Fruit of the Spirit, according to the Bible, says it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, these verses, that's like a checklist for you right there. Do you have this stuff in your life? Love, joy, peace, patience, and on and on. It's a checklist for you to go through. Now, the fact is, all of us have have sinned against God. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, obviously, that's not good. But all of us sin, and we will sin. Now, you might say, well, what happens if I just continue to live blatantly in sin, a continued lifestyle of sin, and I refuse to turn away from it. Well, if you, if, you, if you refuse to follow after God, you're going to be eternally separated from God in hell. That's what the Bible teaches. You're separated from Him. Now, if you're a believer, and you fall into sin, and you don't let go of it, it will destroy your relationship with God. I guarantee it will destroy it. Psalm 66:18 says, if I have sin in my heart, in other words, if I harbor sin in my heart, it says, God will not hear me. God will not hear my prayers. So in a very real way, sin is a sickness. It is a disease that destroys us. That's why James says when you sin, you pray. You pray and you talk to God. You ask for God to restore you. You turn away from your sin. Now what happens if we do that? I'll give you another verse. 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin to God, it says He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, God is willing to relieve you of the penalty of sin. Our verse today gives us another word for that. It says we'll be healed. That word healed, obviously, one, the, the one that's easy to figure out, it means to be cured. But there's another meaning for that word healed in our text today in verse 16. It means to be freed. To be freed from sin. Now, logically, it doesn't make any sense for a person to say, you know what, I choose bondage. I don't want to be free. That doesn't make any sense. God says, you come to me, you call out to me, and confess your sins. He says, I will free you. Harry Houdini was a famous, I uh, guess what, like an illusionist, escape artist. And one of the things that he used to always do, I, the one that made him famous was they would put him in a straitjacket, hang him upside down, put him in a, like a big pool of water, and he was able to get out of the straitjacket and lift himself up before he drowned. And so, you know, that was a big trick he did. But there, another one that he did that made him famous was he would go around to all these different these small towns, and he would go into their county jails, and he'd say, put me in a straitjacket, leave me alone in there, and I will get out of the straitjacket, and I will, I will break out of the cell. And, you know, after like, like you know, 30 minutes to an hour, he would, he would come walking out. And he didn't have a straitjacket on. He would break out of the prison. People were always amazed. There was one time when he was stymied. And what happened is they put him in a straitjacket. He went to the cell. He got out of the straitjacket with no problem. He began to try to pick the lock, and he could not pick the lock. He sat there for an hour. I mean, there's crowds gathered outside. He's looking out. There's a big crowd out there. An hour passes. Two hours pass. People are starting to wonder what's going on. Three hours pass. Four hours, he still can't get out. And he's so frustrated, he finally just leans up against the cell, the cell door, and as soon as he leans on it, it swings open. They had never locked the jail door. Now, I thought, man, isn't that interesting? 
You see, I, I, for a lot of us, we sit here and we try to pick the lock to life. And we try to, we try to make ends meet on our own. We try to find joy and happiness on our own. We're sitting there working at life, trying to pick the lock to life, and nothing happens, and we get frustrated. If you're going to find freedom, the only way it's going to happen is when you lean upon Jesus. And as you lean upon Him, the door to freedom will come swinging open. That's why James says you pray. Verse 16, he says, prayer carries with it power. says the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. In the last verses, the ones where we won't read, he talks about a man named Elijah who's a prophet. There's a drought going on in Israel. And so Elijah begins to pray and says, God, send us rain. And he prays. And what does God do? God sends rain. Now, did he send rain because Elijah was an incredible speaker? No. He sent rain because Elijah was looking to the right source for power. He looked to God. Now my question for you today is, who is it or what is it that you are looking to for deliverance in your life? You know, what is it that you're looking to that's going to bring you hope and meaning in your life? You know, all of us are going to face, we're all going to face trouble in our life. We're all going to face difficulties. The question is, what are we going to do in those situations? James tells us today, that you pray. You engage God because you trust God. I'm going to close with this verse, final verse, in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. When we're sick, when we're troubled... Whenever we don't feel like anything is going our way, when we sin, what are we supposed to do? James says, you engage God. And he says, God can give you freedom. Now you might say, well, that sounds good. I don't believe it. Let me tell you something. It will, you will never experience it until you trust him. And so my challenge for you today is trust God. And what do you have to lose? You know, roll the dice and say, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And then let's see what happens. I'd like for us to bow our heads and close our eyes as we close out the service. And I'd just like for you just to, to deal with the Lord. Talk to Him yourself. And there might be some of you, and you've been living in fear for a long time. You have circumstances that are, that are floating around in your life right now, and you don't know how to handle them. It could be financial, it could be job, it could be relationship, it could be health. I don't know what it is. But today I want you to talk to God and just simply, Lord, say, Lord, today I am calling out to you. You tell me when I'm in trouble. And Lord, when I'm sick. And God, when I'm mired in sin, that I am to pray. You pray right now. And it could be you need to ask God for forgiveness could be that you say, God, I, I'm going to ask you to guard my, my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. For others, you could be where you're just simply going to talk to God and say, Jesus, today I'm going to give my life to you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to do that, where you're seated, you just pray this prayer silently to the Lord. You pray, pray, pray this, pray, Jesus, I trust you today. 
Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Because you are my only hope. Without you, I have nothing. If you prayed that prayer, you can take your bulletin and open it up in a few moments and you can fill out the information on the right side and just check that line and say, I committed my life to Christ. And we'll get you some information in the mail about growing in your walk with Jesus. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this day. We are grateful that you're a God of compassion, that you're a God of mercy, that you're a God who, who understands everything that we go through. You know what it means to experience loss. You know what it means to lose a loved one. You know what it means to have victory and to have joy. Jesus, may we have victory and joy in this church, in our personal lives, and in this community. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.